I have to say that one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had was the Todd Gurley overtime takeover game. That was the same night as the prayer at Jordan Hare. I was over there, and let me tell you, there's nothing more delicious than Georgia Tech hope. There's nothing more delicious than Georgia Tech hope. They thought they were going to win that game until a point in the middle of the fourth quarter, and then realized they weren't. And from there until Todd Gurley scored the winning touchdown, it was glorious. So I buy into your five-dimensional chess theory Mm -hmm. because I'm okay with it being right. And frankly, if he gets fired this year because we beat them 57 to nothing, I'm fine with that. Honestly, anytime you beat Tech is a good thing. Even it's one point. So keep him around. Keep him around. With the dawning of a new season right on the horizon and only days away, the conversations you're having with friends about what the dogs will look like this fall becomes a little bit more serious. The beat writers and podcasters are publishing stories and episodes with game week type analysis. And that feel around Athens, it's beginning to turn from the easygoing slumber of summer to the round the clock fevered pitch excitement. They can only mean one thing. Football is back. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 142 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is our 2018 Georgia football preview show. We've had some amazing interviews in the past week published on this podcast, but this is the show the three of us have been waiting for. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Will Leach, and Tony Waller to discuss and predict what we think will happen for the dogs as they begin their defense, defense, as as they begin their defense of the 2017 SEC championship and try to take that final step to claiming that elusive national championship. Also in this episode, we break down the offensive positions of strength, areas on defense where Georgia might be vulnerable, and what we think the overall coaching philosophy will be this season. I know I've said it before, but this might be our longest, I think it is, and perhaps our best episode ever, but we'll let you decide on whether it's our best work or not. Make sure you stick around to the end of the show for our predictions on how we think Georgia will finish record-wise in 2018, and we also share some of the things that you might notice new at Sanford Stadium this year, and we have some fun with a pretty amazing piece of trivia around our head coach's playing days as a dog. We just hit the record button and started talking on this episode, so it's a little frenetic at the beginning, but we eventually get to talking a lot of Georgia football. Thanks for listening. Here's Tony. Right. I mean, in, you know, for not, can I use, can I use not for nothing yet? We'll, we'll get um, to that. But in, in, all, in all seriousness, Will Muschamp kind of made the case for why that is, right? I well, mean. Yeah, my general take on this, the, this is our Georgia f- football preview podcast. So we're going to talk about Maryland and yeah, South Carolina. Yeah, right. But uh, I know that Urban Meyer is kind of the talk of the day, and with good reason, that is a big deal. But it is pretty shocking to me, and I did a, uh, I wrote a piece for New York Magazine about this, and I did a video uh, for uh, Now This, which is like a video social media thing that gets everywhere. The point is, obviously, it gets read a lot. It gets seen by a lot of people. And to me, the Durkin thing, I mean, a guy died, a kid died because of football culture. Like he died, and I'm not saying that every, every football team's culture is like this, but the, uh, the number of football coaches that have come out and said, yeah, that was over the top, what Maryland had going on. That is a shame and a, and, a, and a travesty and a tragedy for college football. Zilch. Number of coaches that said that story shouldn't have used anonymous sources. One, Will Muschamp. And so for me, the, uh, uh, the reaction to that story, uh, I think, speaks to maybe even a little larger problem than, uh, than we're even kind of acknowledging. Yeah, I, I, I think your, I thought your take on this now was, was perfect. It now was, this. Whatever. Yeah, now this by Will Leach was right on the nose and 
it's a it's a shame. I understand why coaches aren't talking about DJ Durkin because it is a very there's very much a a, a blue line kind of conspiracy of silence, I guess. Or you're not, at the minimum, you're not going to generally not going to bash a fellow coach unless you get to do it anonymously and then you get to talk about how Nick Saban's cheating. But I mean, the, a kid died. Like a right. kid actual died and lay there for like 45 minutes before they called 911. Yeah. 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 And, and, and Will Muschamp gets mad at the, absolutely the wrong thing. The absolute stupidest thing at all. Yeah. Like, and so what? Because you see something like, oh, wow, finally someone's angry. But about... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's it's just, it was not great. Listen, you guys obviously know I, like, I love college football. I'm on this podcast. We got all the games. It's very exciting. <laughs> Every once in a while, a little story will pop up, and you're like, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard. I'm at, one of those things you have to push down to your feet once the game's about to start. Uh, that is one of those things. Like, it's a little harder to do every year, but uh, I'm still finding a way. Speaking of those things, um, I guess you can't really have a college football podcast without talking about Urban Meyer. We're recording on Tuesday night, which means we continue to know nothing more than you know. Uh, you may well know more, future listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the reality is it's like, it sounds like he's going to get suspended and Ohio State's going to try to ride it out because, frankly, the coach of the football team at Ohio State University has more political power than the president of the uh, university at Ohio State University. And if you, want to, if you want to know the proof of that, it's the fact that the president of the university said that exact same thing himself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, that was for words. But that was Gordon G. Yeah, with Tressel, but right. still. Yes, um, that's the exact point, though. So, and then, of course, you and Seth talked a little bit about Kirby coming down on the media. You and I have a little different takes on this, Will. Um, my take, my first take was, oh, what a terrible look. Are we going back to uptight Kirby? And then after I thought about Which it. Which I don't think we're there. No, 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 no. I don't think we are either. Right. I think it was a in the moment uh, knee jerk. I have to yell at somebody. I can't yell at the people that actually did it. Right. Let's be clear. It was the absolutely was the 1,500 people sitting in the stands, not the media that reported that out and didn't even report it. Um, basically, threw some stuff out on message boards and in Twitter about it. Now, could Kirby have handled that differently, more graciously, more magnanimously? Sure. Questioning whether or not it's a fair question was out. It was, that was probably the hardest part about it because it was a fair question. Um, and not only was it a fair question, I'm not hundred percent certain that I'm not hundred percent certain it was asked exactly in the tone with which, and I was in the room that, that Kirby thought it was, which was almost like a snarky fan right. type. You know, why was Samir White on the punt coverage team? That was the way I'm sure Kirby took it because he literally just walked off the field, probably had just heard it doesn't look good. Right, right. And on top of that, also heard that there were there was stuff already out in the, the world, the internet but world. But he wasn't yelling at that question. Like that, Certainly that question is what set him off. Sure, 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 sure. But sure. what he was angry about was... That the family had not, had heard about this, and the, and you guys reported this before you were supposed right. to, which was simply not true. It was not like true. it wasn't true. Yeah. And so as as Seth talked about, he then took a, the guy aside and said, "Hey, uh, sorry, it turns out like now Kirby has admitted privately yeah. to the media people yeah. that he was wrong to do that." Sure. And I and in a vacuum, I would take it as mistakes happen. Sure. Miscommunication. I get it. We don't live in a vacuum in the way that people talk about media right now, in the way that people talk about uh, uh, sometimes having blaming the media for things that either they or someone other than the media are responsible for. So that would be my frustration with that. Not so much that if this happens three years ago, it, it, uh, it's just, hey, that was a jerk thing to do. But 
I, yeah, the larger I, context I, is not as big of a deal. I see. I, I, I see. There, there was a reason that everyone at the SEC Media Days all went up and made sure to say, hey, media, we appreciate the work that you do. And they didn't do it because they actually appreciate it because they don't. And no one expects them to actually do that. Right. But there's a reason that there is a general sort of let's just understand that everybody's got jobs to do type of thing. And so when you do that and you, and you purposely blame something that is not true on someone and then privately apologize for it, most people are not going to get that privately apologizing message. Well, and you know, and I certainly agree with you that within the context of the world we live in now, it, it's not the greatest look. And yeah. maybe three years ago, it probably would have been seen differently. Yeah. Um, but that's enough of that. But this is the Georgia preview. The yeah, Georgia preview, enough guys. Enough of that. We get to talk about the 2018 college football season. The University of Georgia football team. Let's talk about things that are going to happen in the future, not. Things not that past happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. We've gotten in trouble with comments on and reviews on things we talked about in the past. I, I, I appreciate people listening. The Clemson Alabama game when we ruined it for one listener. We'll, okay. We're going to get into con- Oh, fine. Let me God. go ahead and set up what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the 2018 Georgia Bulldogs and the outlook. The football that, team. That the football we team. have for this season, you know, per, perhaps where we think they'll finish. Uh, we might make schedule predictions and kind of like what we did last year when I correctly predicted they would go 11 and one and beat Auburn in the SEC championship game. Um, and then we'll kind of go through offense, defense, special teams, the lack of mustache on hot rod right now, which concerns me. Um, and then uh, well, is concerned. <laughs> I have to say he, he needs his no mustache. Here. He's got time to grow it back, you know, give him three or four days. Uh, and then we will jump into some, I like to call it the silly part of the podcast. You know, we'll. Uh, I think our listeners like to call it that too. Yeah, I'm. That's I'm fine with that. My it, my wife only listens to that part. She, okay, she well, enjoys that. Okay. But um, future scheduling because uh, that's in the news today, and then uh, some Sanford Stadium changes because there has been a lot mm-hmm. change with the stadium this year, and I think it's for the better. Um, I finally get to see it. Sanford Drive is open now. Yeah, finally. yeah. yeah. So I was able to run you by down there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then um, we'll get into some podcast reviews and some other comments and questions and i i found one really really interesting thing about the sec championship and how to qualify for it it just blew my mind we'll get to that later awesome there's your tease all right so georgia football um we got a few different angles to go up this we obviously look kind of position by position and look at scheduling and just go game by game i might argue the best way for us to start all of this before we get into the nitty-gritty is to look me being a writer, I want to look at the narrative. I want to look at how everything kind of stands with the Georgia program heading into this year. Obviously, last year was the dream season. Like, it's the season everybody imagined, everyone was always waiting for. Did not end exactly the way we would have liked. I don't remember what happened. I just remember a sack, and then that's it. Um, but clearly, everything you could have possibly dreamed of happening, save for that last play happened for Georgia football last year and happened in some of the most hallowed places in all of uh, college football. And we got the Revenge Tour in addition to all that. It was just wonderful across the board. We will always have the memories of that season. It will always be great. Let me stop you right now. When you think, and I think we've gone over this as it was happening, when you think 2017, I have positive memories, even though that was the worst way, and I heard you describe it again with Seth on the podcast, the worst way to lose a football game. I still have positive, fond memories about 2017. Well, that's good. Otherwise, it would be like that would be really sad to be a football fan. I know. If you have a beautiful season like last year and you still have bad memories, yeah, I don't see how you can't look back on the season and not have fond memories. If it's, I mean, like it was. I mean, I was alive for the '80 season. It was probably on the whole topped 
top that. And granted, I'm more of a, a Georgia fan than I was when I was 12. So, um, and more 12 invested. in 1980. Well, that's how math works. And, um, you know, but I think it's interesting that you bring up the narrative aspect of it because that, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is that we start kind of the narrative is is that okay, we've gotten to the brink. Are we ready to go to the next step? And, and as a part of that, and I, I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago. Um, last week in my mind was a series of tests for Kirby. Now we're at the final. Can he, as a college football coach, as the University of Georgia coach, take Georgia really take the successes we had? Put them in perspective for a team that is now is no longer playing an underdog role in some in some situations, and really build on that momentum and take them back to the national championship game. Because frankly, I, I think well, this may be where you're going with it. There's going to be a lot of people disappointed if that doesn't happen again. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is I think those are two different questions, right? Sure. Can one uh, can Kirby ace the final, and two. Can Kirby ace the final in enough time that mm. before everybody starts freaking out? It's and a timed final? Yeah, I mean, it of is. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing, right? Like, you want, you couldn't ask for a program to be in a better position than it is right now for Georgia. And it's just going to get better. Like, there's more, that was what I talked about with Seth, the idea that, like, you look at this offensive line, you're like, wow, this is one of the best offensive lines they've had in years until they have next year's offensive line. Until they have next year's offensive line. Like, clearly, something, it's, there's really great things being built. That said, teams with the best talent don't win championships all the time. Alabama is not going anywhere. Florida and Tennessee are not going to be as down now as they, uh, down forever as they are right now. Uh, it's going to, I wouldn't say you have a window to win one of these, but it is harder to win one of these than people. I mean, obviously, Georgia fans don't tell Georgia fans how hard it is. They've been waiting a long time for a championship. But last year, everything felt perfect. And not everything is going to fall perfect every year. And specifically, not everything is going to fall perfect this year. Again, that's one thing that Seth pointed out. They already have had more injury problems this year than they did all of last year. Obviously, Eason aside, which I don't think anyone is, is really that sad about that injury. So, you know, that is, there are more coming. There are more injuries coming, and there are bad bounces coming, and there are weird things coming. It doesn't mean that they're not going to go 12-0 this year. It doesn't mean there's not, that, that we should not be very excited for the future. The thing is, though, is it is always a dangerous thing to be in a position where, as Georgia fans know as well as anyone, that 10 and 2 feels like some sort of titanic disappointment. And after last year, that's the fear, particularly with the way the schedule is this year. 10 and 2 is huge. What a great year win the SEC East. But if they win, even if they go 11 and 1 and win the SEC East but lose in the SEC Championship game, there's going to be a lot of people that are really disappointed. And that's a super <clears throat> tough spot to be in. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I keep drawing comparisons to what Dabo Swinney did at Clemson. And not, I'm not talking about the first couple of years because obviously Kirby got Georgia there earlier than Swinney did. But, you know, three years ago, Clemson lost in a heartbreaker, right? They, they lost the national championship game in a heartbreaker. Need I remind you, Jalen Hurts, the, the guy that everyone thinks is ready to transfer from Alabama, won a national championship for Alabama <laughs> nearly by himself. Um, and then, of course, they turned around. Wait a minute, that was, I got the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah, wrong guy. Um, yeah but either way. He, he ran the 50 yards at the end that should have won them. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Will you edit all that out? Chip, take care of that for me. Um, but still, you know, they lost to Alabama. Then the next year they came back and won it. Um, and there are a lot of comparisons I can see there. 
The downsides are a lot of comparisons to Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. Um, Bob Stoops, of course, won the championship and never, I mean, he got really close a few times, but never got back to the game. Never got as think. close as Oklahoma got last year. Right. Well, I mean, they get they get they got close. They got as close, but yeah, but but yeah, that, well, Oklahoma's but closer only, to winning that game last year right, than they were as close. Um, and frankly, if you were to ask to draw ask ask Oklahoma fans to say which is closer was was Oklahoma under under soups closer to Bud Wilkinson um, or was it closer to Mark Rick's run? They would say it's closer to Mark Rick's run. And frankly, I don't think Kirby's going to get fifteen years to do what Bob Stoops did over his 15 years. Um, and I think that goes back to your bigger point, right, Will, that it is a um, – the world we live in is a is a win now, especially once you set the bar really high. I mean, there's there's not really a bring it down, I need to get a qualifying jump time in now, at least not in the short term. Um, I don't think that that's a possibility in the short term. And it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Yeah. Because I think people forget because, again, everything fell just right last year. And you got a chance at Auburn again, and Carrion Johnson was hurt, and then they play. And, then, and not to say that Georgia did not earn everything they got last year. It just means that everything fell right, and everything, all the kids with the team just came together, and everything felt right. And it's just not always going to happen like that. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. And certainly, uh, they are in a perfect position that if things do fall well, to kick some ass around the way. Like they, they are clearly very talented. You, they're doing all you can do to put yourself in the position to do that. It's just not always going to land that way, and it may not land that way this year. Particularly as I talked about with Seth, this you could look at this as a potential transition year. This there's not not, not a lot of rich guys left. It's now all Kirby guys, but a lot of them are younger. Uh, certainly, like having Robinson come helps, and we'll get into that when we talk about the receivers. But there's a lot of questions still. They may all be answered positively, and then we'll like they were last year. <laughs> Almost all the questions were answered positively last year. But if they don't, they may lose to a South Carolina. They might lose to an LSU. A game that right now or, everyone or both. Yeah, yeah. And right in the game right now that everyone is looking at, being like, "Oh yeah, those are wins." And then not to say that people are like, "What well, is Kirby the guy?" It's not that. It just makes everybody feel that familiar disappointment that we all felt going into last year and I think generally has been avoided after the national championship game I haven't I think you guys may have heard differently but I didn't hear a lot of same old Georgia stuff I just didn't hear that I mean you heard it from the Cretans but you generally didn't hear it from your smart fan you can see that creeping back in a little bit if you lose two or three games this year you know, one thing that we probably underestimate from last year was when Davin Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, Nick Chubb, and Sonny Michelle had that press conference mm-hmm. to saying they were coming back. They immediately solidified themselves mm-hmm. as the senior leaders. And we might have senior leaders right now that are vocal and leading the team. Maybe a, a walker on defense, uh, a Godwin will be the leaders, but we just don't know because they didn't have that seminal moment where they're like, we're coming back. And everybody's like, yeah. Right. And, you know, it's just kind of wait and see. Say, you know, second quarter, South Carolina goes up by 10 in the crowd is roaring and you're kind of looking around, you know, you got to wonder who, who's going to be the guy that steps up. I think Godwin will do it. I think, I mean, uh, I think DeAndre Fromm, Walker Fromm will, yeah, Fromm will do it. Yeah, Fromm Fromm be there. But senior leadership was such a yeah. big yeah. part of both uh, the narrative by the coaching staff and the writers and the fans. We just knew who to look for. And, you know, that's kind of an, an intangible right now. And, and Baker, 100 percent that guy on the defense. Uh, I think you have to. Oh, DeAndre to Baker. Yeah. Yeah, you have to assume that. But the other part of that, and, and I think part of what feeds into that, is that sitting here on August the 21st, 
the schedule's a lot easier than we assumed it would have been last year, right? At the same time of year, because we had, I mean, I, I predicted Notre, lost to Notre Dame and Auburn. You know, I think I went on the record saying last week that I felt like Auburn was going to be down a little bit. I mean, and I can point out specific reasons for doing so. We substitute Middle Tennessee State for Notre Dame. We get Auburn at home. We catch LSU. And what all smart people say is probably a, a down year probably for the them. Probably the best possible time to catch LSU on the road. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. it depends how long they keep that order on down. And, <laughs> well, I mean, and frankly, whether Steve Insminger is the answer, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we could we could look back on the season, and, and frankly, that was part of the reason that I look back on 13, and I, 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 I agree that when I got to the end of 13, I felt like we missed something. But I didn't feel like we missed something because we let something slip to our fingers. We missed something because the teams we thought we were facing in August of 13 turned out to be different than what we faced in, mm-hmm. in December of 13. And also, we had five stunning injuries in a row that affected literally half of our production on offense and defense. Now, those things happen. We could look we could go to December and people will be upset and you have to be you have to say, okay, what does that mean going forward? Because part of what Kirby is building, part of what has been advertised for building is the plug and play nature that Nick Saban so artfully put in his um so artfully put in his press conference this week about pooping out players, right? That was, um, was artful. Um, he said that? He said but you can believe that. You need Great. to make a note. Um, that, that's your fault, Scott. Yes. <laughs> you should have known that was coming. Um, the, um, but the, the point is, is like, frankly, yeah, that is what people expect out of Nick Saban. And maybe that is what we should expect out of Kirby Smart. And part of the... At some point, we will be it's required. what we do expect. Yes, and at some point, that theory will be tested, mm-hmm. and it could be this year. And it seems still too early. Like, it's funny that you talk about like the schedule being different in August than it is in September. Another example of that would be last year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. Remember, remember the, we spent all this time talking about the home schedule, like, oh, Mississippi State. Oh, yeah. It turned out absolutely. to be one of the best teams. Yeah. And Auburn, like, oh, he's going to get fired this year. This is the year it all falls apart. And then Auburn turns out to be, have the, Auburn, the year Auburn does last year. Who knows who steps up this year? Like, I, 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 it's hard to see, like, it's not, it's not UMass. No, but it could be, like, maybe Florida is a ton better than people think. Like, maybe South Carolina takes a big step forward. Maybe Auburn is just as good. Like, there's, there are teams that step up and step down that, that, that could bite you when, you when you're not ready. So, should we start talking some positions here? I'm about to say, speaking of, maybe we should actually talk about actual Georgia football team. Let's start with quarterback. I think uh, we can go, let's go off and send the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And it, with Jake Fromm's team. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right, next. Yes. No, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like last year, it's, it's Jacob Eason's team next. I do want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I like the question you asked Seth about the quarterback situation. Did he give any feedback? Behind the scenes stuff or anything revolving revolving around the third string quarterback and what that how that affects how they use Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean the weird thing about it is because currently there is none, right? There is zilch. Not not even listen to depth chart. Yeah, right. right? Like there's no, there are no. There's like six walk ons. Right, and it's funny because again, as uh, Seth pointed out, they only get to talk to Jim Cheney once every year or twice every year if they go to the SEC championship team. Otherwise, they don't get to talk to him at all. So they, that'd be the type of guy. And, and it's funny because, as he pointed out, the one thing that Jim Cheney really wanted to make sure everybody heard the one day he gets to talk to the press all year was, hey, just so you know, we don't have a third quarterback. And that is going to change the way that we use Justin Fields. And that is... 
It is. I mean, it's weird that there's another quarterback. I understand. I wouldn't want to, if I were a young quarterback, I don't know if I'd be really excited to go sign up for, for hey, look, there's a, a freshman, a sophomore quarterback that almost won the national championship game this freshman year and the number one quarterback. I'm going to play behind them. Uh, so Who was the guy that transferred? Stetson Bennett? Oh, I thought you said Jacob Eason? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, he's Washington yeah, from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, because he was, he was getting all kinds of press during Rose Bowl practice that he was uh, mimicking Baker Mayfield on the scout team, and they were giving him rave reviews. I mean, what, what do you expect? Of course they're going to give him rave reviews. But from what you said about him, because he kind of grew up in your part of Georgia, he was a legit third-string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he was exactly he's exactly the perfect preferred walk-on, right? He is a guy that's going to – he's going to go to – Wherever he went to junior college, he's going to get a year, and he's going to get a look at high G5s or P5 jobs um, because he, he has the arm and he has the ability to lead a football team. The bad news for Sesson is that Georgia's quarterback recruiting had gone from good at times to stellar always, and that meant he was he was forever going to be stuck wearing a hat backwards in, in signaling plays uh, during game days. And, and that's the thing is – you know, you figure, you wonder if they figured out some. They would figure out something if uh, if 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 uh, Fromm went down or if Fields went down. I mean, weird stuff happens like, yeah. all the time. Michael Harden, I think, played some quarterback. <laughs> Wild dog, full time. Wild dog, full time. But uh, that's the thing, though. Is I don't see how it cannot affect that. Like, you have to be that much more careful. You obviously yeah. can't use Fields on anything, any position other than quarterback, unless you put him out wide on like one weird play as a decoy, or you run a weird reverse. But you can't get too funky with him because he's your you backup You just can't take the chance. You just can't. You just yeah. cannot take that chance when there is nobody else that uh, that can play football on the yeah. team. So in the, the same way the baseball managers don't like to ever put in their backup catcher in the next training game because someone has to catch. And so I know it's silly to think that the third string quarterback makes that much difference, but it does seem to me that you just can't – like Fields, I think he gets in every game. I think there's a moment that he gets in every game, but I don't think it's as this – Freewheeling Antoine Randall L. to go to Indiana. No, I just don't see anything like that at all. I think that he will be used as a quarterback, and they may. And listen, if they see a game where you know the the defense is on to something, and maybe you throw the curveball in there, but I don't see any reason how this is not Jake Fromm's team. Frankly, stim disturbed. And most importantly, we are not we Georgia fans in media are overstating what Justin Fields really is. Justin Fields is a very good passing quarterback who is actually a drop-back quarter, passing quarterback who can run the hell out of the football. And there is oftentimes a, labor, a label like put on the when you hear dual threat or running quarterback, the expectation is you design your offense around running because, well, of course you do, because it makes it harder for defenses to scheme. Frankly, I think the way Georgia's offense is set up right now, the mere threat of someone running at any time is plenty. Jake Fromm did that in the SEC Championship and the Rose Bowl with some success. Now, he only racked up something like 2.59 sack yards per carry. But the reality of that is, is that the, the one thing that Justin Fields gives you that Jake Fromm doesn't is you, you put in the mind of defensive coordinators, we at least have to spend practice time talking about that. 
I don't think when we see him starting, whether that's two or three or four, how many years it is at Georgia, that we're going to see a wide open Gus Malzahn or Urban Meyer or how mummy, <laughs> well, how mummy is a different, different kind of offense, but um, you know, a running off a running quarterback offense that you would see at a place like even a place like TCU um, or certainly not what you would see at Georgia Southern or, or North Avenue trade school. Do you see any similarities between the David Green, DJ Shockley part? Because David Green had a class separation over DJ. And, you know, DJ came in and played plenty. And he was super prepared in 2005 because Georgia won the SEC championship game. And he kind of commanded that team. I think there is a good analogy there. The difference is, is that, and I love, love, love DJ Shockley. The difference is DJ Shockley was never going to beat out David Green. There's a possibility Justin Fields eventually does. Justin Fields is the number one prospect in the country. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Jake Fromm was the number seven prospect in the country. He was the number seven when, quarterback prospect in the country. Right. But like, well, I guess that's right. Fields I guess that's right. the number one dude. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, but the difference is, is that DJ Shockley was never going to beat out David Green for the starting job. There's a possibility at some point in the future Justin Fields does. I'm just saying it won't happen this season. It's not right now. Right. And it would require, but that, that said, you know, this is something to keep an eye on all year. The idea of, uh, Smart's talked about how he wants People are constantly, constantly be fighting for jobs, and constantly. From has to be firmly aware that, like, just one bad half. Oh, sure. And everyone's going to be on. I, I think you bring up an interesting point, and one of the questions I thought about asking you earlier when we were the narrative side is, where does Kirby earn his chops as a coach, and not messing around too much with that, trusting his instincts right, right. that. We need to assume at some point Jake Fromm will have a bad half. I mean, look, if he has a bad half against Middle Tennessee, it's different than having a bad half against uh, LSU's defense, right? So I think we have to we have to be careful that we don't get into like, we. like Steve Spurrier mid nineties when he had Danny Werfel and Terry Dean and Doug Johnson and he was yes. throwing them in and out. Well, yes. if, if we're looking for any proof that Kirby Smart can handle this. We can literally just look at last year. <laughs> That's <laughs> which, a good point. Which, which is where I was going. Yeah. Right. That's where I'm going. It's like, I don't see him pulling the plug. I see him managing Jake Fromm better than letting him go out there and struggle. And, you know, he was another thing he was good about last year, too. He clearly had a plan. Like, remember, East would always come in at the end of the games and he always make sure to get a throw until that Vanderbilt game where he got hit. <laughs> Yeah, and everyone blamed him, even though it wasn't his fault. And all of a sudden, after that, though, like basically, he had a plan, and then he saw, okay, Fromm is awesome, and there's no reason to mess with this. Fromm's a guy, right. and that was it was adjusting to, to situation on the ground and and being smart about it. I tend to have faith. I think the situation is a little bit different in that. I'll put it this way: even before Eason had that injury last year. Remember how my rant before the season started? Like, yeah, yeah, don't let yeah. the local guy. We're yeah. so excited about the local guy. Like, there was already momentum for Fromm before Eason ever got hurt. For what it's worth, that's there with Fields, too. I think there's no question that's there with Fields, too. Yeah, as good as Fromm was, teams don't just bring in the number one uh, recruit in, in the entire class and not have people want to see him. I 100% agree with that. And the last thing I'll say about the quarterbacks is, that, frankly, I trust whatever decision the coaches make because – at this point, they've made all the right decisions, and I have no reason to second-guess that. Um, <laughs> from from Fountain Bauta in the uh, Florida Georgia We have come a long way in three years. in a year and a yeah. half. Two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, two and a half years, right? Yeah. I remember when that happened, you called me, and you're like, this is like our 27th yeah. podcast yeah. we ever did. And you're like, 
dude, we need we need to do a podcast because Coach <laughs> Rich about to play. But, yeah, you weren't you weren't available. It was just Tony and me. It was yeah, not awesome. So that leads us to the running backs. Speaking of things that are not awesome, running backs are awesome. I, but uh, Zamir White, is yeah. This not. Is, look, okay. Let's just get this out of the way. The Zamir White injury is is it's terrible. It's bad. I hate it for him. I think we need to be careful. I don't know that Zamir White was going to play a lot early. I think 100% he would have played in the season, right? I think part of the reason he was on the punt coverage team, frankly, is that there are times where you put him in to test him out. And it's a freak accident. He, he hurt his other knee. Had he hurt his injury knee, injured knee, maybe you can get on the coaches about this, but he hurt his other knee. Yeah, this- also, like, punt coverage is not – like with they, like it's weird. Like punk, it's not like he. It was a non-contact. Right, he goes out and busts his skull. Maybe, yeah. But like that yeah. could have happened. Him walking yeah. to the locker room. A hundred percent. Well, not George's locker room because it's too nice. Of course. But um, it the tunnels all. It yes. actually heals all. ACL it heals. He should have. He should have walked through there first. <laughs> um, so, but let's let's talk about the running backs. Uh-huh. I mean, does losing Zamir White hurt? Sure, it hurts. But it hurts in the way that like. I didn't get the super nonstick band-aids when I take them off. George is fine at running back. Now, the depth issue can be become a problem over time. I don't think there's any doubt that we'll see we'll still see a rotation of three to five running backs uh, out there. Keep an eye on Dalvin Cook. But um, James Cook, sorry. James Cook, I keep wanting to call him Dalvin. Keep an eye on James Cook. He to me is the low-key most exciting guy that we have. In on the offensive side of the ball right now, uh, especially as a freshman, um, he feels. If, he, I was saying before White got hurt, he had more of the swift last year feel than maybe White did. He does, and not just that, he can catch the football. I mean, there are serious matchup problems if you slot him in the H back, and there are options for him to run a tunnel screen. There are options for him to run a um, some sort of play that gets him into into space where a linebacker is having to cover him in the flats or. You know everybody's favorite play the wheel route. Um, it, I mean, I mean Cook. Cook has potential to be the play we, the player we look back on and just similar like, oh my God, what about this guy? So, um, yeah, otherwise, the running back is Swift. It's Swift's game, right? It will be Swift's game. Holyfield's probably your second, and Barian's probably your third. Um, Harian. That's what I said. Harian. Said Barian, like the county. Brian Harrion. Yeah, yeah I, I made a, a promontor. Is that the right word? That's what I'm here for. I'm just here to correct yeah. y'all and keep y'all on, no, I appreciate on, that. on the correct time. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, running backs are probably the place that I am least concerned about. And, and yes, I, am, I admit, we lost a lot of fantastic production at the running back spot. But losing production at the running back spot is not the same as not continuing to have production at the running back spot. Now, I think, I think there are a lot of people that are hanging – there are a lot of people, in, especially in the SEC, so are hanging their hat on being able to catch Georgia because, well, you know, well, Sony and Chubb aren't there and Roquan Smith aren't there. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. I understand that. But you can't say that and also look at what's behind them and not be like, <laughs> ask Auburn how that DeAndre Swift thing turned out. Because it's, it, it is a legit concern if, if I'm a defensive coordinator anywhere on Georgia's schedule thinking like, and we'll get to the receivers in a minute, it's like, I – have to stop one of these things. Which one am I going to stop? Um, the quote on Georgia's run game is right. It's like it's like a heavyweight boxer. You know, he has a right hook. You know, it's coming. You got to be able to take it, or you're just going to lose the box. I'm sure Holyfield does have a right hook. Well, <laughs> nice, well done, sir. I, the last thing on the running backs is I think there's a non-zero possibility that the running back that gets the most carries this year is Holyfield. Oh yeah, I think yeah, that's I right. yeah. I wouldn't yeah. consider him the number one. Yeah, I think it's Cody Swift, but I can see him being the guy, particularly with White out, with White no longer being that spot. 
I can totally see Holyfield being the guy that actually gets the most carries. The guy that when you're up 17 mm-hmm. 7 yeah. in the third quarter, yeah. the, you guy, the guy you keep giving it to. You beat on first, second, and third yeah. just yeah. to yeah. eat clock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think about how different that Notre Dame game would have been if that return that he took basically all the way back for mm-hmm. six points didn't get called back by a hold because that was in the first quarter of that game. Yeah. So Holyfield's awesome. He's awesome. And, uh, and I was at the game where his dad uh, hit in the spike at the Atlanta United game, which was awesome. Cool. He was he was really, the golden yeah. spike guy. How's his ear? I mean, his ear is completely I mean, reattached. The guy boxed for twenty five years. The ear is actually the least of his concerns right now. Oh, that's really dark. Will. I'm sorry, that's true. I had to say that out of love for the guy, but yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, wide receivers outside the offensive line, probably the most stacked position we have, right? And it, I mean. Look, I love getting I love getting the kid out of Savannah back in. That is uh, every everybody keeps go go and watch a video of him. He reminds me of Andre Hastings, and I, I saw that on the message board today. I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. He reminds me of Andre Hastings. He can stretch the field. He can go up. He's, he can be a possession receiver if you need him. He's got the body size to go across the middle. He's got the body size if you want to run a tunnel screen with him to take hits in the middle. It's just oh, speaking of. I saw a play today, Missouri against Kansas, when Missouri used to be a real thing, uh, maybe oh seven oh eight. They ran quads on the left side at the three yard line and ran a bubble screen underneath, <laughs> a tunnel screen underneath. How how do you defend that when you got when it's probably Godwin Robinson, Nicole, and, and who else? Um, I mean, pick somebody. Ridley. Ridley. Um, I, I, Karis. Um, who else could? I mean, Paul. You should. You should Tyler see Tony. Simmons. Tony. I'm just like I'm like giddy over the possibility. Like our, our wide receiver is going to be really good. I understand you, you lose whims and that's really important, but Ridley coming on in that role in in a national and that's a lot game. of presumption, by the way. Like it's weird. Like if Riley doesn't have, if Ridley doesn't have that national championship game, yeah, I don't no, know if we're being like, oh well, he's ready to be the two or three guy. Like that, he was obviously awesome that game. But that isn't like going into that game. No one said, oh, like wow. No one talked about like wow, the matchup of the Ridley brothers is going to be fascinating. Like no one talked about that. Like he had a great game and he certainly put himself in a position to have that game. We've not actually seen him be a consistent guy all an entire season. I think that that's exactly right. Um, I, I think that's fair. The other part about it is that you um, have a couple of tight ends that, uh, and I assume we're going to throw tight ends up yeah, in here so. because, frankly, Georgia's tight ends only got like 35 yeah. targets last year. You mean, you mean uh, 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 Georgia football poster boy Isaac Nowdy? Isaac well, I thought you were going to say Luke Ford, Luke, your Illinois guy. Uh, Luke uh, Ford. Just actually, missed out. The, just missed out. The, the funny thing I'm hearing about Luke Ford, and this is like purely speculation, is like, he may get the most looks of anybody just because he is the way he physically can dominate players, uh, linebackers, and blocking schemes. What do they feed him up there? Corn. 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 Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> we got to get a little hand slap. There you go. Corn and soybeans. Yeah. So, you know, when you throw in the um, when you throw in the, the the tight ends there, Charlie Werner almost, you can flex him out as a receiver. You know, the receiving part of the game, Will, it, that, that – is most intriguing to me is like we kept waiting for Georgia to stretch the field. They did a little bit in the Rose Bowl. They certainly did in the national championship game. And you have to think that there was a point at the season where how much of that was part of game plan and how much that really didn't have to do it to win. So I do wonder about that if 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 this is the year where you see now to like you remind that like, oh, this was a guy that everyone was so excited about going in. A five star, the top yeah. top tight end in the world. Yeah. So. I, I, I look for it. Okay, offensive and line. Luke Ford. Yes, and Luke Ford. And Illinois' own. Illinois pipeline, uh, Luke Ford. Um, when it comes to the offensive line, it's funny. Can we pour one out for Isaiah Wynn, by the way? Oh, God. It's a bummer. If you don't know, he, like, literally 
broke his Achilles off. Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's not bad. great. It's not great. Really and especially bad. for a big guy. That's yeah. that is a hard injury. Now, if anybody can come back from it, it's Isaiah. Yeah, it's a bummer. You're just a bummer. It's yeah. a serious bummer. Um, but it's funny, though. To me, the, the offensive line is, as I kind of talked about earlier, the idea that you have, well, this could be the best offensive line they've had in years until... 2019's offensive line, 2020's offensive line. If there's anywhere where it feels like they're stacking talent long term, it's from the inside out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in all likelihood, you're starting five across the front, starting at left guard, or left tackle. It's going to be Thomas, Baker, Galliard, uh, Cleveland, Wilson, and with Cade Mays, Kinley, and Trey Hill, Justin Schaefer working in. The great part about it is last year we saw what? Seven, eight guys in a rotation. Yeah. We'll see seven, eight guys in a rotation again. Um, Andrew Thomas was a freshman All-American, um, and he's going to move over to left tackle. And he's a sophomore. Now, it, will he stay all four years? I mean, not if he can be a top-five draft pick, but the the reality is is like you're only talking about a couple, of, uh, a couple of seniors in that mix, and you're also talking about a sophomore, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, you throw in a freshman in Cade May, a redshirt sophomore in Solomon Kinley, a freshman in Trey Hill, a sophomore in Justin Schaefer. They might be really good this year and might be – Fighting for jobs next year. Oh, my God. They're, <laughs> these guys are fighting for jobs next year. And it is crazy how good our offensive line potentially could be. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing is I went back and looked at um, – I went back and looked at Bill Connolly. I looked at, back at the, some of the stuff I wrote, some other stuff I wrote. Offensive line was, was a legit question mark at the yeah. start of the season yeah. last year. It doesn't feel like it's going to be like that for a it while. It does not feel like it's <laughs> going to be that for a while. And after there was some, there's some great work that's been done out there, including some by, by the folks at Athletic, about um, offensive line recruiting from 12 to 14 or 15 that is really illustrative of what Georgia fans dealt with. Um, and again, by the way, the Mark Rick interview in the Athletic Nicole was Arbach. amazing with Nicole, Nicole Arbach. Arbach. She's was the best. Amazing. She's the best. Um, I am legit Big sad. Network's own uh, Nicole nice. Arbach. I'm legit sad that we're missing Mark Rick as old man with old man coach wisdom. Oh, yeah. um, uh, George's in a better place, and frankly, Mark Rick is too. But I, I really am missing because he is just like he's he's loving life. He's enjoying, and he's being the coach he was when he started. Yeah. Uh, now in Miami, um, that was a great piece. But that was a great. Piece. It was a really good piece, just, but. He's their guy. Talking a little bit about yeah, yeah. what the past, the last four or five years, especially offensive line recruiting was, it's not hard to say that Kirby has really elevated there, and that's one place he has. And Sam Pittman's a large part of that in what we do with, with offensive line coaching, too. So, All right, defense, the other side of the ball. Uh, when I was talking to Seth, one of the main, the main concern was, concern maybe being too strong of a thing, but... The defensive back depth. Uh, obviously, there's talent. Obviously, there's lots of dudes. But it doesn't feel like a lot of those guys are proven. I think that's the that kind of concern there. There are people that look like they should be ready to take that step forward and do that. But we don't know it yet. I feel like that's where you're really – in two years, I will feel more confident about a secondary like this where no one's really set for it because there'll be two more years of recruiting stacked on top of one another so the cream will have risen to the top as, so, as it were. Now, obviously, there's a lot of talent but we haven't seen it yet and this is, frankly, like there's, this is not an era where there's not a lot of passing in the SEC uh, even though the SEC East might not have that much Missouri aside. It still feels like that's a potential worrisome area. 
Yeah, and if Georgia goes any worse than eleven and one or ten and two, this will be um, nervous. It, it is, yeah. It'll be because of Jake Bentley, Drew Locke, or, or Frank Tua, Jared Stidham. Um, <laughs> well, if it gets to Tua, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll worry about Tua. <laughs> we'll turn later in the podcast. Um, that's when has Tua ever picked on the Georgia secondary? That's called foreshadowing. What Will just did is talked about the past, which we <laughs> agreed right. we I'm weren't going to do, and he broke the social contract. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I don't even remember. I, 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 I was just blanked I was out. asking I blanked the question out. if it's, it's ever happened. It's actually a good question. The thing that people think of when you think about the Georgia secondary are the names DeAndre Baker and J.R. Reed. Yeah. And then after that, you're like, oh, yeah, Tyreek McGee. Oh, yeah, he's he, there. He's there, that too. And then, and then that's kind of it. I mean, maybe Richard LeCount because you hear Kirby getting on to him all the time because of how good he could be. Well, you know, one of the things that um, Felder talked about in the interview with him is how much he loves. He called him Richie LeCount, which I thought was awesome. Um, and he, you're, you're right. LeCount has all the talent in the world. And he, he may be a Feast of Hammond type defensive back where, you know, he has two interceptions in the game but also gives up a big play. Um, Frankly, the depth we have at defensive back means he probably plays more than the coaches would like if he is. If that is really what his, I don't his think ceiling co- is. Yeah, I don't think it's the coaching staff that wants a feast or famine. Guy. No, 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 no. This coaching staff absolutely does right, not. Right. Um, they they are completely straight up feast only. They're team feast. But you know, we also have. We forget we have Dan Joe Gibbs that's going to be in the backfield. We forget we also have Juwan Taylor. Tay Crowder is going to be in the. Oh, well, Tay Crowder is playing more to the front. But um, you know, it feels like with this defensive backfield that when you have a lockdown corner like it, it feels like DeAndre Baker is. You have to assume there are going to be a lot of plays flowing the other way, which means you're going to deal with some with your star or how, whoever that position is cheating more the other way, which basically puts more pressure on the front than it does on the back um, with the talent Georgia has. Now, we have an injury in the defensive backfield, then we have real problems Uh, because the depth isn't quite there. I mean, it could be there. I mean, there's a lot of really good freshmen. And there's a lot of people you're hoping will emerge. Yeah, absolutely. You just don't know. You just don't know. We don't know yet. Yeah, so... I, I keep getting excited about a couple of players. And yeah, I just I don't so want to talk about them because well, I mean it's yeah. here's the thing they're freshmen and and I I'm I'm absolutely the one that wins famously thought that that Nick Chubb was going to redshirt and that was the dumbest mistake ever. Um, so I thought you were getting excited about like Tyler Clark and DeAndre I, Walker. And, well, yeah, let, which, let's talk about the linebackers. Are, are you cool with that? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, our, our linebacking core, we are not going to have the stud superstar All American like we had with Roquan Smith. Because those players come, those players come like every, every, every ten or fifteen years, right? But it is possible that we have a better deep linebacking core than we had last year, and and I, I say that with all love to David Bellamy and um, um, oh god, I can't think of his name. The the, the other Nitros Patrick, uh, no, who came back? The, oh, Lorenzo Carter, Lorenzo Carter, right? I say that with all love to those guys, but the reality is, is that Patrick and um, um. Walter Grant. Yeah, Walter Grant, Monty Rice, DeAndre Walker. You keep talking about him. Um, Tay Crowder, the McBride kid out of Valdea. I mean, we could legit run nine guys across those four positions, all that could be starting for almost every team in the SEC, save maybe Auburn, Alabama, and LSU. And that, I mean, and, and that means over the course of a season, your legs stay fresher. You play better later in the season. Frankly, I think that's what happened in the SEC championship game last year. It's like Georgia had more depth than Auburn did. I mean, Auburn called Georgia flat-footed, 
in, in the Plains. Um, and we talked about the home field advantage they had there. When they got the SEC championship game, Georgia just flat out outhorsed them, period. Remember, Auburn, like, was they stuck with them for a quarter. Yeah. And then Georgia. And then Georgia pulled out. away. Well, I, almost, almost a half. Yeah, yeah. Like, third quarter was, I'm fourth, yeah, third quarter is when it really got away from them. So, you know, the linebacker, the linebacking core, I get excited about some of the stuff we'll see out of them just because, you know, Roquan Smith was the undisputed star of the defense last year. And, and we are going to see, and frankly, especially as the season went on, you could scheme around his ability to handle not just the middle of the field, but play sideline to sideline. You know, despite my, my Chicago Bears fan uh, boss saying that Mel Tucker can never be a good defensive coordinator, I think Mel Tucker's going to be able to scheme around with the players he has and, and compensate for that just fine. Bears fans are negative about everything. They, they, they don't even like all these bits can't even, whatever, those guys. Um, okay, let's end with the defensive line when it comes to the defense. This feels like something – it's – Eventually, it's going to be recruited the way the offensive line is. They didn't bring in a lot of dudes, actually, from this recruiting class. I still think the defensive line is going to be fine, but it doesn't feel like locked in for the distant future the way the offensive line looks at locked in. Yeah, well, there's just not the depth there. I, I will say the one caveat to that is I'm low-key excited about Jay Hayes and the amount of havoc he could wreak in wreck. Wreck? Is that the proper word? I think Wreck? it's rot. Rot in the backfield. Could have rot. He um, he had, say, one game last year, he had a spectacular season game for game. I mean, just really was an impact player. In, and that one game was against Georgia. Uh, uh, you know, Jay, I mean, Jay Hayes is, is a difference maker. If we didn't have Jay Hayes, I would be a little more nervous about this group because he does provide depth in a way that – I mean, you're talking about a guy that started 60-something games at Notre Dame, and yeah, we can make fun of Notre Dame's schedule. Believe me, I have. We can make fun about Notre Dame's schedule, but they do play a ton of really good football teams over the course of a season. I think Jay Hayes saw what Notre Dame's wearing for the Shamrock Series at oh, uh, Yankee Stadium, uh, see, I knew and him. he transferred immediately, yeah, which I, anybody I would. Get and we'll get, get to it. that later. First off, first <laughs> off, I knew we were going to get to uniforms yeah, eventually, yeah. and yeah, you're not wrong here. Yeah. So, this is the most I've ever cared about uniforms. I think it's an abomination. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Rodrigo's beard now, right? Lack of. I mean, yeah. Will's beard is thicker than Rodrigo's right now. <laughs> yeah, this is, this he is doesn't have goggles. Days. This is seven days. You throw it's goggles on Will right now, he might. And a helmet. I, I, and, a helmet. and a helmet. And number 98. Yes. <laughs> you have a helmet? I do. I have two of them. <laughs> I'm not oh my putting God. it on. If you, only if you have some of the rec specs, of, uh, I'll put it on. Nice. I don't. Uh, yeah. It's, it is funny, though. Like, joking aside... We talked about, of course, Tony's favorite play last year of the uh, of the touchback. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh my God, yes. I mean, uh, now it's going to be the fair catch. Think of all the happy things that went down last year, and all the things that were were, were just nice kismet the way that it all turned out. Rodrigo Blankenship has to be. I remember the big thing coming into last year was, you know, he's uh, his dad was mad they didn't get a scholarship earlier, and why didn't they do all this stuff? And then he just went out and was the best kicker in the country. And, he's he's, and now he's a preseason All American. Second team, second team, second, second team, second team. It counts. It, does, oh, it definitely counts. I think there's only one. I think it's only uh, Baker that was that got uh, first team All American. <clears throat> yeah, he yeah. was. But so I mean, the idea that we went from Blankenship being like, yeah, yeah, it's okay, we have a walk on kicker for now. But I understand why Kirby isn't giving the scholarship because they're going to get a real kicker eventually. To holy cow, we have like the best kicker in the country, and he's so fun. So you know, that's kickers can be weird like this. Like kickers are not always this consistent. 
like the presumption that like, oh, he was great last year. He'll be just as great this year is not always how kicking works. You see people that have been great kickers in the NFL for 10 years that one year it just all falls apart. I refuse to live in a universe where that happens to Rod Baker Blankenship. Yeah, and so there was actually, we talked about the athletic earlier. You should subscribe to the athletic, by the way. That's just the takeaway. But um, there's a great article about him and his mm-hmm. more clean, clean cut look. Yes. Um, you know, he is looking past his time at Georgia and he's cleaning up, cleaning up, right? Becoming a little more of a, will you hate this term, but mm-hmm. it's just what it is, brand, uh, because mm-hmm. he, realizes that part of what his future earning potentials could be if he, he has the kind of year this year and next year that he had this past year is going to be the the quirky the quirky dude right but they're not going to put you in a car commercial if you have if you look a little bit like you could be hiding behind a dumpster somewhere waiting to jump out and grab somebody. Theoretically speaking. Um, <laughs> theoretically speaking theoretically speaking um so you know the 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 other part about Georgia's special team is, of course, everybody's favorite transfer, Cameron Isaac, is now kicking the All-American Football League, um, which is really weird that he didn't make an NFL yeah. roster. But, frankly, usually now with only, what, how many, how many players the NFL has, 56 or something? Yeah. I mean, you have to be a spectacular punter if you're, the only skill you have is punting. Um, the, Isn't that what punters do? It's the only skill? Um, most, Unless you're Marquette most King. Of the time, yeah. Most of the time you can be a backup kicker at the minimum. Um, or kickoff specialist. Gotcha. Um, so, and I, I, I couldn't say enough about Cameron Nas like to say that he was or wasn't. But either way, he is not in the NFL, which tells me a little bit about that. Um, but we did we did bring in uh, Jake Carada, who was the number one punter in the nation. Uh, he actually garnered three stars, which is unusual for a punter. Um, who is who is Landon Stratton? Where did Jake Carada come in? He's a freshman. Yeah, yeah. What he's talking about. Oh, I but, thought you meant the transfer. No, Murray no, State. No, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jake. Kermata. See, you were talking transfer camera. Yeah, sorry, yeah. and No, no. Jake Kermata is the three star freshman who. So is I he going to maybe be the one? He probably will be. Uh, Lana Stratton has a possibility of it. I mean, we should, not for this time last. No, oh, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry I, I almost said you. it. Almost no, said it. Almost said it. it. Come on, say no, it. I'm not saying it. Oh, I cut um, him off. I didn't even uh, mean to. Marshall Long <laughs> is still on the team. He has been again battling knee injuries. Um, although in the, the the famous scrimmage this last weekend, he punted better than Jake Camarda. I think we need to work on the possibility that, that punting distance is going to be a little more erratic than it was last year. But that doesn't mean it's going to be terrible. Keep in mind, we had the best special teams in the nation according to Bill Conley's metrics. All right, so should we look at the schedule? Let's do Okay, can we talk one second about the, the kickoff rule? In yes. case you, in case you don't know, um, if a if a team fair catches the ball between the twenty five yard line and the end zone, the ball is brought out. It's a true. It's a touchback. I have to work on the assumption that Georgia is not going to pull a John Favris and try to kick a corner kick to to take a few yards off. Right. Um, that is, I, I hope that time is forever and ever and ever gone from the University of Georgia. Um, because why take the chance? Honestly, it seems to me starting out the twenty-five yard line to be able to plan your defensive attack from that is a um, is a less risk. Uh, it's more risk averse, and it actually is more efficient. 
I'm not a college football coach, so I can't say that for certain. But if you or know you're going to start out at the 25-yard line every time, why not just kick the ball as deep as you can and get, over, yeah. and get it over with, right? You don't, you don't, you take away the injury possibility. I mean, you, this is also a step forward to eventually not having kickoffs anymore. Like, yeah. this is just start at the 25 and be done. This is clearly yep. where this is going. Yep, yep, yep. This yep. Is clearly where yep. it's going. Or allowing teams to take the choice if they want to right. kick off, right? Because, frankly, because of the, the one argument I've heard against is, well, what about in the game situations where you need an onside kick? Well, if you're in the end of game situation, teams already know you're on time kicking, right? right? Um, unless you're in the national championship game and you're Nick Saban and your hook colonies are calling it together. <laughs> um, the, so having said all that, I, I, my personal opinion is my favorite play is still going to happen. Uh, and I look for Rodrigo to hit the vaunted 100% on touchbacks. No, you can't be 100%, but really, really, really close. All right, so schedule let's, go through, schedule. let's go through the schedule. Okay. Schedule. Week 1, September 1st at Sanford Stadium, 3.30 p.m. start. The Austin P. Austin P. I'll have a little Illinois moment. Austin yes. P. is most famous for in 1987, I believe, 86. 86 Austin P. was playing a the Illinois Fighting Line, the first round of the NCAA tournament. A young Dick Vitale went on ESPN and said he would stand on his head if Austin P. beat Illinois, a team that he had picked to go to the Final Four. Austin P. did beat Illinois in the first round of the tournament. He did stand on his head, and to this day goes back and speaks. I think he spoke to the 30-year anniversary of that Austin P. team. They used to have a player nicknamed The Fly, which led to the chant, The Fly is open. Let's go P. That is absolutely a true story. I know my. I mean, Austin P is probably like the third best college name, Austin, right? You, you have a question, Scott, I can tell. Where's it located? It's in Clarksville, Clarksville Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, it's that close. Yeah. Tennessee. I mean, the, 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 the backstory back of Austin P is that. Daniel uh, Boone, something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked. So, oh. Austin P was. Um, Austin P was, the, was a governor of Tennessee one time. We can hold some of this off by the way until we do yeah, our can, Austin P. Can show. we not talk Next about week, Austin right. P? I mean, I think that's cool, but can you wait? Till yeah, we'll wait till we're already like an hour. They're called the governors. Yes, okay. <laughs> I saw, I saw, I saw uh, Scott's eyebrows start to twitch a little. It's like okay, we're gonna, yeah, anyway. but, yeah, but we're going to be quiet when you talk about jerseys. <laughs> yeah, uh, game one, Austin P. Uh, I'm assuming we all have this as a win. The Bears. Yeah, so I'm thinking like 35 points or something. So I, I want to. I, I think we should just go through and talk about our nervousness factor okay. because we're going to review each of these Fair games, enough. and I'm not exactly. Well, we do have to make our predictions. Like, sure. Well, I, I think it's okay to make predictions. I'm not 100 percent certain I'm ready to call who George is going. We don't to have to break down every game at the okay. end of the year. At the end of the year. At the end of this, this little segment, yes. you can tell me what you think the record's going. That to sounds be. good. Okay. Game two, September eighth at Williams Bryce Stadium at South Carolina. I have to confess, every everyone has a certain game circled as the scary game. This is mine. This is mine. This is one that makes me nervous, and not just because I'll be at my sister's wedding uh, when it's going on. So, how many times has your day. sister been married? This is the first her first wedding. I like the feeling of that. I'm not worried at all. Why'd she schedule a fall wedding? Because she doesn't live in. <laughs> she sucks. I mean, she I'm sure Jill's a wonderful person. Yeah, she, I've never met her. So I can't say that. Wait, so, so I think I knew this, but Jill and Will. Yes, <laughs> it's Jillian and William. It's, it's not Jillian. It's not Jillian. <laughs> it's not just Jill. It's just Jill. Yeah. Um, is her, is her middle name Brian or no, something? Just, okay. Thank God. Yeah, um, no. She's wearing a bodybuilder. I tell you, I told you. Yeah. She's yeah. He looks like an upside down trivial pursuit. <laughs> 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 Every time you say that to me, it makes me laugh. It's awesome. That's exactly what he looks like. I mean, I've not seen him in like a fall. I, I mean, we I will. What it looks like. Yeah, I can't say anything else about South yeah. Carolina after that. Yeah, sorry. 
anyway, game week three, Middle Tennessee. Not is it Middle Tennessee State or Middle Tennessee? Middle Tennessee State University. Okay, because I see it differently in SU. every different spot. Yeah, uh, that is game. That's a night game, by the way. That'll be a fun night. Seven thirty kickoff, guys. We get to tailgate all day. Yeah, <laughs> that's a two meal day. Yes, that's probably a, that's three. Be a rough one. So that is game three, September fifteenth. Game four, another potential circle game for some people, particularly if there are secondary issues. Yep. At Missouri, at Faroo Field, the, uh, let's not forget that Missouri has caused Georgia all sorts of problems even since I've moved, the, moved here. It was, it was, they, they won, of course, the Michael Sam game, my first, one of the first games I ever saw here. They caused Tony to temporarily wet himself uh, last, last year. year. Yeah, and uh, and and frankly, with that game, and then the saved, six to three game, yeah, and saved Odom's job. And last year, like there's Missouri does, does some weird stuff with Georgia. Well, two things about Missouri. First off, this is going to be the first Missouri game at Columbia that I did not go to. So. If it's my fault, it's my fault. Second off, we never really talked about what Missouri is doing and asked for the waiver for from the SEC, Will. Uh, as far as moving oh, the yeah, visiting the state, team, the, yeah. The, the, state, the seats. The seats. Yeah. So basically, they're, they're right behind the visiting team bench, right? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. So the they, student section. They, yeah. yeah. So they, they have flopped because of construction at Farrowfield, the, the sides of the uh, home and visiting teams. The students, uh, they, Missouri actually does it well. They put the students kind of like, like in the forty, between the twenty-five and the fifty-yard line on on the the home side, and because um, there's not much demand for their tickets. That's actually they not true. Okay, they, they've been they've been they very full every time I've been. They've been oh, yeah. full. They, well, it's because you've been to a Georgia game. Yeah, but it's all it's all Missouri fans. You are wrong about this. I there, know you no. assume that nobody cares about football in the Midwest, I mean, to, but people like like Missouri loves football. They do, and they actually have the That's end zone sweet. where the Rock M is, where they do general admission seats. You can sit on the rocks, you can sit on the grass. Um, and both times I've been, it's been pretty full. But they also bring you know eight to eight to ten thousand students who are fairly loud, and that is going to be right behind the Georgia bench this year. You're defending Missouri Stadium. Yeah, hey, no, I'm okay. just I'm no, just pointing out you're wrong. I just, I'm not defending anything. Th- that's fine. I've never been there, but Scott, the fact that you think Columbia, Missouri is worse than Columbia, South Carolina, tells me everything I, didn't, I need did to I know. Say, you're putting words in my mouth now. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. Week five, game five, September 29th at Sanford Stadium. You know they got some revenge on Tennessee last year. You're gonna get like, more this year. It feels like there is another reckoning yet to come. Yeah, because two years ago was the Hail Mary. Of course, of course. Uh, you know they reenacted that at the beginning of last year. But spring practice. Yeah, they're assholes. That's the way they do. <laughs> you should ride the that time be, down. Whatever happens, that will be very satisfying, uh, to say the least. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, of games, by the way, uh, revenge games from a couple of years yes. ago. Uh, game 6, October 6th, Sanford Stadium. The Vanderbilt Commodores. The Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, former Tennessee Titans wide receiver Derek Mason. That's right. As their head coach. Who's that guy on Twitter that got all over us for that? I don't know. There was some Vanderbilt fan. Humorless. Humorless. You're a Vanderbilt fan, man. You gotta loosen up a little bit. It is funny though, like we talked earlier about how LSU, like George may be catching LSU at the exact right time to have your once every twelve year game. LSU. I kind of feel A, Mississippi had that against Georgia last year. Oh, that was the the hot watermark for that. That's the total I catch that. And it feels like like from now on. Kirby Smart can never lose to Vanderbilt again. Like, you get one. <laughs> you get one for 10 years. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that's right. If yeah. he stays here 20 years, yeah. it can happen again. It can happen, happen again. in 20 years. Right. Um, it ain't happening this year. It's not happening this year. October 13th at 
LSU Tigers. I will be there. Tony Wall will be there. I can't wait. I'm just so excited about this game. It's be a good time. This reeks of a 3.30 or nighttime game, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I think it's going to be 3.30. Yeah. I, I, I've looked at the schedule because this is easily the most common question I get is what time that game's going to be. I just don't see how. It's not 2.30 local, 3.30 right. CBS game. Um, it's easily the most important game of the week, even sitting here in, in August. Um, Man, that's going to be fun. This feels, and obviously we'll have plenty of time to talk about when it comes up. This feels like either LSU, has like say, beats Miami in that first game and does a little bit better than everybody thinks, has a bunch of stuff going in the right direction, or things have completely fallen off the rails and they've got a new coach at this point, mm-hmm. in which case... I don't happen. know if they have a new coach at this point, but they, they will shortly yeah. thereafter if uh, if it goes the way... I think it goes. I think yeah. it goes. Is worth noting, I'm looking at the fans' media guys. Dog time. This is... They have actually have LSU beating Georgia 21-17. The fans' media guys. Yeah, you can get us at that uh, public everywhere. Things everywhere. I got the Georgia media guys. Oh, yeah, guy. I have the actual, but this one actually has predictions. The Georgia media guys will just... Uh, just report the news. Yes, yes, that's it's yes. Programs are very famous for self-reporting their news uh, dispassionately, objectively. Okay, then they get a week off. Then they head to the game that I will, of course, miss because I will be at the World Series, like I do every year. The Georgia Florida game. I personally think Florida is going to be a little bit better than we. This game is going to be more competitive than last year. Can we say that? I mean, I think I would be shocked if it's not more competitive than last year because. I mean, it wasn't competitive. It was twenty-one nothing in the first quarter, yes, right? It's hard to be less um, I'm missing this game for the for the second time in three years. I have to be in DC that weekend. Um, that may be in that that may be the case. I just don't see it being. Right. I mean, Florida may be better. I'm I'm not there yet. Right. I may be there there by this time of the season. That point of the season, I just whew, that, right. they. I think they still have a lot of coaching up to do. Dan Mullen and. Let's not forget, Third and Grantham is still a thing, and now he's defense coordinator of Florida. I, I hope he does the choke sign, by the way, at Rodrigo Blankenship, because I just, just it, there's less and less symmetry there. Has there been any other former coach that we faced as many times as we faced him? Because we, he went to Louisville, we played him in a ball game, and then he was at Mississippi State, we played him. W- Willie Martinez was defensive coordinator at Tennessee a couple, three years. Well, yeah, so. but think about how many different places Grantham's been, and we keep, <laughs> he keeps showing up on our schedule. Which is great. Rodney Garner at Auburn. Okay. Game I don't know. Nine. I just <laughs> Game 9, November 3rd. Uh, everyone go out and register to vote, by the way. This will be right before then. Yep. Uh, Kentucky, right? Uh, Kentucky, yes. He told me Kentucky real fast before I said anything else. No, no, no. Uh, I said Kentucky because I'm going. Kentucky, yes. At Kroger Field, which means, of course, uh, you will think that all the entrances are open as we go. But it turns out there will only be three open. Hopefully I'll get fuel points. Very well, very well done. Well played. <laughs> uh, but I'm a public guy myself. Uh, at Kroger Field. Uh, Kristen, Kristen's going to cut you, man. <laughs> I'm a public guy. I'm absolutely a public um, guy. Kroger's it's fine. the best place to get crab legs. Kroger's fine. Um, <laughs> Said James Wilson. That's yeah, right. It's funny when we thought that was like that's like not even the oh top my god what happened here yes uh, right uh, anyway sorry yes uh, that thing got in more trouble than anyway uh, that's Kentucky November third yes um, yeah I'm I'm going to that game we have a house literally from here to Don Lieber's house from here for I can't wait that's a that's a low key fun trip if you've never been to the Georgia Kentucky game in Lexington it's even, nice and cool it's usually. it's always cool um there's plenty of things to do Lexington is a fun town um even with Keeneland closed because the fall meet ends the weekend before um it's a fun trip and they're not that upset when they lose because they got basketball coming yeah, up yeah basketball and, starts like 3 weeks later so 
Game 10, November 10th at Sanford Stadium. The Auburn Tigers come to town. That seems... It's worth noting that Georgia... Uh, I think it's hilarious, by the way, we talk about the two seasons of Kirby Smart. The last year was the year they lost to Auburn, and then they beat them two years ago. Like, it's, it's, it's the one kind of backwards thing that's happened uh, with that. I mean, if, uh, moving forward, if it's a win at home and then win every other game on the road... Maybe that's the way this goes. I think Auburn, as far as questions in the top tier, uh, teams in the top tier, has the most questions of any team in the top tier right now. Um, the fun part about this question is we, uh, the game is we get them here. Um, thank goodness, because, frankly, that place has been a house of horrors over there for a couple of years. There, there was a time where the home team always lost this game. It's, right? And it's fine to play them over there at 11 a.m., yeah, and that's, can't that's play part of it. At, play, yeah. Can't play them at 3.30 because by that time the time changes because they're in central time zone and so close to the eastern time, it gets dark at like 3.45 and yeah, it's like no, a night it's, game. It's like being in Fairbanks, Alaska in, <laughs> in November. It is really weird. Central time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was in uh, Destin a couple weeks ago and I refused to set my clock because it's so close. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. Showed up stuff late. Yeah. No, I, 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 if I can defend <laughs> the central time zone. I knew you would. The news comes on at 10. No, I, I will say. It's a like a normal time. I will say, having lived in both, um, the the one most civilized thing about Central Time is that you can watch Letterman or at ten thirty. At like, ten thirty, yeah. it's it's amazing. Is Letterman a thing? It was. Okay. Um, it it kind of still is. Um, is yeah. it? But now you can watch it on Netflix. Or okay. Something. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's David Letterman, like one of the I know, but it's not. It's broadcasters. Twenty eighteen. You know, you're watching Colbert or no, Jimmy Fallon. No one's watching it. No one's watching I it. I wasn't in 06. Yeah. Okay. At okay. 11.30, everyone's watching all the shows they didn't get a chance to watch too early right, in the day. Right. right. You know, I'm watching Ozark. Ozark right now. That's pretty good. Ozark's, Ozark's amazing. Yeah. Ozark's yeah, it's good. It's a good show. Um, Ozark is uh, it's kind of where my sister's getting married, actually, in kind of rural right. Missouri. So. But Ozark's actually filmed in, like, yeah. Canton. Yeah. Everything's oh, really? filmed in Georgia anymore. Yeah. 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 November 17th. UMass. Stadium. UMass. Massachusetts. The Minutemen coach, Mark Whipple. Is Marcus Camby still playing guard for them? He is not. I'm not, not worried then. Bruiser Flint is <laughs> also Bruiser not part Flint. of that. Oh, my God. Hey, for the record, uh, they beat BYU, Appalachian State, and Georgia Southern last year. Keep that in mind. They beat BYU? They did. Now I'm nervous. Taysom Hall or Taysom whatever his name isn't playing for BYU anymore. Yeah. Taysom Hill. And He's a quarterback for the Saints. No, that's really good. That's amazing. He's the backup quarterback for Drew Brees. The final game of the year. And he blocked a punt last year on special teams. For the November Saints. 24th at Sanford Stadium, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. The real question about this game is, it is my theory that Georgia has an ongoing strategy about <clears throat> Georgia Tech to see where they are during the year. And if they beat them too much, then in a way that might potentially get Paul Johnson fired, they'll... <laughs> They'll pump the brakes a little bit more. Right. And, uh, like, they may have bought him an extra two years just by losing that game at the end of two years ago. You know what? You're probably right. I I have to say that one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had was the Todd Gurley overtime takeover game. That was the same night as the the prayer at Jordan Hare. It was – I was over there. And let me tell you. There's nothing more delicious than Georgia Tech hope. There's nothing more delicious than Georgia Tech hope. They thought they were going to win that game until a point in the middle of the fourth quarter and they realized they weren't. And from there until Todd Gurley scored the winning touchdown, it was glorious. So I buy into your five-dimensional chess theory mm-hmm. because I'm okay with it being right. And frankly, 
if he gets fired this year because we beat them 57 to nothing, I'm fine with that. If we beat them, it, it, honestly, I, anytime you beat Tech is a good thing. Even it's one point. So keep them around. Keep them around. All right. So let's close up the preview with our predictions. I don't remember. I feel like was it. Uh, I'm not. I haven't even started. What? No, oh I, don't want, I don't want to close in the show. Oh, okay. okay. No, close it. We're closing. Do, do, do we right. want to do predictions I wasn't, I wasn't actively let him do Let him do uniforms and reviews. And that way yes. people keep, maybe keep listening or they hit the fast forward button like, what, maybe 30 times? I have a sword, they download it. It's fine. It's cool. My tongue is swollen. That's why I'm lisping a little bit tonight. I apologize. It's fine. Will. I'm lisping a little it's bit. I've, like, I've got like a tongue issue going on. So I'm not, I'm not going to jump into uniforms just yet. I wanted to talk about future scheduling because there was some big yeah. news today with Georgia booking a date in Atlanta versus Oregon in 2022, which sounds like so far off, but it's really four years from now. Just four years. I mean, um, the Notre Dame series seemed like so far off when they signed that. Right. That I can't. It's, it's already almost so over. exciting. So this year, we'll all admit that the non-conference schedule is trash, but it might work to Georgia's advantage. But next year... You got Notre Dame on the third week of the season. And before that, you have Murray State and Arkansas State. Interesting scheduling quirk. And I have to give Jeff Dantzler credit for this, for bringing it up on the home team. I listen to them uh, sometimes on 960. But uh, he and Chris Brame were basically talking about how there's an open date because they haven't set the SEC schedule yet at the beginning of next year's schedule. And it's probably going to be an away game at Vanderbilt to open the season because that's how everything just kind of works out. So Georgia will probably 90% chance will be opening on the road at Vanderbilt. So the third week of the season, like September 15 or somewhere in there. What? Third opening week. August 31st at Vanderbilt. That's what he's saying. Uh, yeah, to open zero the season. chance we open. We'll take an open date before we do that. But no. the SEC may mandate this. Is what is that we, we used to open like at Tennessee or at South Carolina back in the mid nineties. I could see them putting us. I could see them putting us at South Carolina before they put us at Auburn. I mean okay. Vanderbilt. Um, I I kind of believe I subscribe to what they were saying. So I thought that was interesting. Another interesting scheduling next year is Texas A and M comes here. Yeah. Who Texas? Yeah. Texas A&M is on the rotating right. every 12-year schedule coming here who's next the, year. Who's the other uh, West team on the road next year? Auburn. Auburn. No, it's only Auburn. Yeah, yeah it's, it's only Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Right, right, right. So uh, looking ahead also to 2020, open at the Dome against UVA. I think that's Labor Day night. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So we're going to do that. That's the mo- it's Monday. Night. It's Monday. Yeah, oh, there's, two, there's two games that weekend. Typically on Labor Day is Monday. Well, no, there's two games that weekend. There's, weekend. there's one on Saturday, one on Labor Day. Because, yeah. for example, there's not a Labor Day game in Atlanta this, this year. year. Yeah, right. That's uh, what Mark Richt and Ed. No, I don't no, even know that's, what's on uh, Washington night. and Auburn. Yeah. Oh, that's on Monday night. No, but that no, was Saturday. Not at the bins. Gotcha. Yeah. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> they also play in 2020. Louisiana Monroe, the Warhawks, um, East Tennessee State University, who ETSU. used to not have a football team, and then they brought it back, kind of like UAB. Johnson City represent. And then in 2020, also they go to Georgia Tech and they go to Bama. Okay, so that's right. That's that's, right. that's going to be a meeting that's, that's 20, schedule. 20, 20, Two years from now, 2020. 2020. Yeah, so we need to make reservations. Yeah. 2021. You got San Jose for the first time over here, all the okay. way from Silicon Valley. Uh, you got aforementioned UAB. Uh, they've revitalized their uh, football program, and I think I mentioned on a past podcast, but my 12 year old's first game, Jack. He was it was UAB. It was 30 to nothing, mm-hmm. and it was Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford's first start. Mm-hmm. And if you look out there on the wall. The headline of the paper that I have framed says, 
New Dog Unleashed. And I thought that was so apropos because it was Jack's first game and it said New Dog Unleashed. Anyway. And it's funny because like these games we're talking about, all of your children will be in college. Uh, yeah. Just, well, just about. Right. Just about. Absolutely. And, and your, your children, sir. Well, my, my children, the, I mean, if, listen, if they follow the Doogie Hauser path that I have laid out for them, they will be, have already graduated from college and be physicists so I can retire. Retire from writing? You'll never retire I'll from never writing. Retire. I'll, I'll, I will die at my keyboard. On Amen, brother. The Amen. rotating um, SEC West team in 2021 is Arkansas. They come here. Yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty easy. And then I'll end it at 2022 because Oregon was announced today. We open in Atlanta. What's the UCLA year? 2025 and 2026. Yeah. I, have, I have reservations for the away game. 22 sounds pretty pretty good if you can get past Oregon because you got Kent State. There's there'll be a couple, maybe one more uh, non-conference. How Brennan. can you put Kent State above Oregon? Huh? He's not saying in addition to that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just saying I'm they play them. Okay. Kent State's going to get wasted <laughs> over, over Labor Day weekend. And then the, yeah, you got coming into Memorial Stadium. The rotating SEC West team is at Mississippi State <laughs> for yeah, yeah. at Starkville. At that, Starkville. Is so, that a trip you bother making? Yes, 100%, because I've never been. Yeah, yeah. So the the away games, the, the SEC away games I've never been to is uh, most of the West. Um, yeah. So, But, yeah, Starkville, I'm putting that on my bucket list. And then um, something that you broke, sadly, sadly. <laughs> something that also broke on Twitter later today that was verified by Orange Bloods yes. is Georgia, yes. Texas. Say it. In about 10 years from now. Do it. I mean, our kids could be playing for Georgia. I mean, they're not big. We Charlie could, could be playing for Georgia. We could, or Katie. Or Katie, um, yeah, that's we right. We could be, yeah, just so you don't, if you didn't know, you listened last time, my, my 10-year-old daughter is playing football for Oconee, she's playing tackle awesome. football, and she's wrecking house. Like, literally wrecking house. Um, I'm is, so proud. That is, so like, proud. totally not surprising. Yeah, she and she's wearing my number from, yeah. like, peewee football, number 55. I'm so excited. Um yeah, if that works out, you know, we may play the Texas Longhorns in Austin before we play the Texas A&M Aggies <laughs> in College Station. <laughs> that's crazy. I don't think that's right. I think we go to Texas A&M in 24. I'm just saying it could. It's close. Because there are, there are a couple of places we could slot them in earlier. That's like the equivalent of Colorado State may have two SEC wins before Georgia has two. Oh, they're going to. <laughs> I'm convinced. Even, hey, pour some out for Mike Bobo. Um, you know, this is kind of an aside, but he has yeah. been in the hospital, still is. They think they've figured it out and have a but treatment plan. he's not plan. coaching that Week Zero game. He will not coach a Week Zero game, although, as I understand, he is like doing co- coach stuff from a bed. hospital bed. I have way too many listings on uniforms, so I'm just going to hit the highlights. You know, if we had a Patreon account, this is what I would give those people. And that, yeah. <laughs> you should should do that differently. Um, people have Patreon accounts yeah. for, for podcasts. <clears throat> I'm a heavy podcast listener, right. but I have like my podcast thing that I listen to. Them yeah, to. you're like, less. I subscribe to them. Yes. Right. Yes. But the Patreons never show up in those. So I'm not going to go like download no, that's file extra work and upload it into. Right. Like, this is always the problem with those extra Patreon podcasts. Even if I supported them, I would not. Yeah, do I'm not that. Gonna, like. It's, it's yeah, you would just you would give them their two dollars and say, yeah, say keep oh it. yeah, great job. But I always feel like they're making this podcast for no one. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay, so Air Force, we love the Air Force. They have. This is new, not where I thought you were going. Well, it's alphabetical order. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I would, it would have been more encouraging if alphabetical order and he said like Notre Fresno at the middle of, at the middle of Notre Dame. <laughs> oh my God, I'm not going to hit all he's of like, them. He's like, okay, alphabetical order, Aardvark State. <laughs> <laughs> the Air Force is pretty damn close. 
Okay. All right. Uh, and no, see. No, I'm, I'm excited because, you know, I grew up an Air Force brat. My dad was in the Air Force. And so they're going to have these helmets where it has an AC-130. Yeah, an AC-130. An AC That's kind of cool. And you know what those are? Those are the gunships yeah, yeah. where they have howitzers and everything. Yeah. And the guns are on the left side of the Made plane. That way they can circle and lay fire down. Um, so, yeah, they're, I've seen them. They look really cool. Let's skip Arizona State because there's still no Sparky. And that upsets me. There should be Sparky. When they came here, they had Sparky. By the way, that was a great game. We won it last minute. And Herm Edwards is still the coach. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Arkansas has no more Matt helmet. That I'll cut that. That that's not even that's not even a, a real thing. Florida went to the Jumpman logo. You know the Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the University of Florida. Yeah, University of Florida went to Jumpman. Um, Iowa. I think they've basically stolen the Pittsburgh Steelers uniform because it looks just like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've changed that to, to where it is. I want to touch on Iowa State again because I've, I've already hammered them once, but I just can't get over the fact that their two battle cries are trust the process, which that's kind of so 2016, 2017. Kind of thing, yeah. And then hashtag win in the dark. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> the dark? I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't I get it. Win in the dark. Yeah. What, are they only going to win night games? Yeah, what if they, like, yeah. Um, Miami, they... <laughs> They are using Adidas, and they're wearing repurposed and upcycled materials. They're going to have green sleeves on an orange jersey. And all of their preview pictures of their jerseys, they're like half and half in the water. They're like posing in the water. And I don't know, that, that's just kind of weird to me. Uh, Mississippi University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, is going to wear all-white helmets versus their game with Texas Tech, which they've never done before. A uh, little side about Mississippi, they're trying to get away from Colonel Reb. Yes. Even still, and by the way, the new shark is terrible. They have Tony, the land shark. Tony the land shark is so terrible. You can at mention them. You can send tweets to him at land shark Tony. Yes. So go ahead and follow <laughs> at land shark Tony and send them whatever you want to send. Um, Missouri has an all white helmet they're going to wear. Um, NC State brought back the old school Tuffy Wolf logo on their helmet, which I think is awesome. Uh, it's better than like just a the little doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty pretty awesome because it kind of is a harken back to uh, vintage. NC State stuff. Okay, you've seen the Notre Dame. Yes, Shamrock. Tony, it's have you seen it? Terrible. It's not so good. Yeah, Awful. they they basically reconstituted an old Yankees uniform with pinstripe pants. They have pinstripe a pants. a navy shirt with it's pinstripe. So the, the, they have pinstripe sleeves, and then they have a blue helmet with an indie. There's really no gold yeah. on it, and so a lot of the the Notre Dame backers and people online are bashing it because they're like, "Look, we're the Golden Domers." There's nothing gold about this uniform, and it's the pinstripe series, or no, what is it? It's yeah, not the subway series. Pinstripe, yeah, they, yeah. No, no, Shamrock series. Shamrock. That's what it is. But uh, so yeah, they they've kind of dropped the ball on that, and it's their game against Syracuse that they play at Yankee Stadium. Um, playing Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. Oh. Yeah, um, Oregon. You know, usually you wouldn't say that that would be anything remarkable, but literally the only thing they can do to outpace the Maryland's of the world or any other team that adds all these crazy uniforms, their numbers are the biggest numbers you've ever seen. <laughs> their numbers literally go from collarbone to where their shirt tuck, shirt tail tucks in. Okay. So, you know, and can we not freak out when, because this happened last year with Illinois, one game a year, where's the galloping ghost red, no, green, I think gray awesome. jerseys. I think, I I think they're great too, but everybody this year, they happened to play that game on ESPN when there were no other games. Everybody freaked out. We all, we all, it's the one game a year. Red Grange literally played for Illinois. 
we'll I think get it was, to where the Gallup I think it was. Jerseys. I think it was mostly Notre Dame grads. Yeah, yeah. I'm Minnesota Northwestern grads. All oh, right, right. Chicago uh, Everson's third Big Ten team. Go Cats. Go Cats. We get that in every show, or y'all say it. Every I got day. some. I got some nice Stu Mandel uh, Northwestern. By the way, comments. you dug hard. I love that. <laughs> um, Oregon State is bringing back Benny the Beaver. First time on their helmets since 1973. Oh. <laughs> Rutgers has stripes like Northwestern this year. They modeled their uniforms after North. North. No! Um, Texas is bringing back black shoes for home games, which I think is cool. And West Virginia has country roads on the back of their helmet base. It says country roads. I love that you skipped over Minnesota with the paddles. We've already discussed that. I confirmed that again. I looked it up amazing. and it's still on the, the paddle is right amazing. down. Amazing. Yeah. Right Please down the middle paddles. of the helmet. Paddles, paddles, row the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So y'all are going to be going to Sanford stadium uh, on September 1st in just a few days. And the new changes to the stadium, they're pretty substantial. You've got the West end zone, which I liked where one of the Georgia tweets about the West end zone, they used hashtag best end zone. I hope that kind of sticks around. I think best end zone is pretty cool. Except um, for we sit in the other end zone. Yeah. But now we get to see them running towards us. I guess that's cool. Yeah. You got to look at it half full. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the new locker room, new restrooms and concessions at gate one right there. And they're going to have grab and go to help speed up the process of like, you know, the Chick-fil-A, the pizzas and, you know, candy and stuff where they'll have like, I don't know, sack lunches where you can grab it and <laughs> pay for it. It feels like it. steel is the word you meant. To no, say. you're going to have to pay for it. Um, gate one on top of the bridge, directly from the bridge, students will be able to enter. Which and is that, cool. that to me is the coolest addition because it's, it's always weird to me that there's a 10 foot gap where you could literally put in 9,000 people in five minutes. Yeah, and so, you can do that now. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll go smoothly. Again, you know, I've not seen been on the field to see the scoreboard, but just to see the back of it. Yeah, because uh, Sanford State Street is actually open now, so you can it's been closed all summer. So if you run, I run past it, uh, do my run, and you can see the back. Like clearly, the scoreboard, even from the side that doesn't have the scoreboard, it's obviously very different. Um, they've increased dis- disabled seating up by fifty percent, which I think is great. Um, the sound system has 260,000 watts, which sounds amazing. That's I don't, a lot of watts. That is a lot of watts. And um, 1.21 gigawatts. It's going Send to. You back to the future. They have improved speech intelligibility also. So I guess. With. I mean, is, does that mean. You'll be able that, to hear the announcer that, say first. Does that mean Brookwood Myers can be even more. Boastful. Legibility? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's what that's what was written. Um, they're going to have something called the Silver Dogs, basically smiling retirees to help you along the way. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Nice. By the way, the Notre Dame, the what they do with their I green bet that's coat where people, they got it from. the green coat, the the folks in green coats that help you around the stadium. That's amazing. I thought it was perfect. They there was not a single bad experience about that whole thing. It really wasn't. And the guys in the green coats that helped you out in the stadium and even out around campus, it's amazing. I think it's great. Yeah, Silver Dog. So look and out I have something to aspire to in, in, in retirement in 38 years. Yeah, you'd be a great Silver Dog. I would be All the right. best Silver Dog. Um, there's also some nursing suites available now for mothers um, at Gate 2 and Section 222. Hashtag 15 years too late. 12 years. Yeah, for you. 13 years, 12 years. Um, and Hashtag then is feminist not, it's okay to, if you don't nurse, it's fine. If you okay don't, feminist. you're still great. You're, still an okay you're a feminist. perfectly good woman. Now. Right. Yes. yes. Um, and then new stadium graphics. I've seen some leaks online about these. These look amazing. Um, they're going to honor the greatest eras of Georgia football, months and calls, uh, players and moments. And they're all on the 100 mm-hmm. level. 
And um, the, the I, one is up so far, actually, because yeah. uh, that's exactly where you I can run. see it. Yeah, and there's only one up so far because mm-hmm. I was wondering cause if it had those SEC championship banners up for a while, and they have not changed. Since I got here. What with the lack of SEC championships, I was wondering what they were going to do. It's I've, there's only one up, but it looks very cool. It makes me very excited to see not only what they're going to do the rest of them, but what 2017. So uh, like. yeah, do we have? Do we know when they're going to? I guess they'll have to do it. The I first guess they're going to have to the awesome P game, right? Yeah, yeah. Put the the new. Let's keep an eye on that for the next podcast because yeah. I would have to think there would be some sort of unveiling yeah. of an SEC. I'm going to text sure. the people and see yeah. if I can find out. Is that Chad you're texting? Chad. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So real quick, Kirby trivia. Okay. What and y'all can just answer whatever. Um, what pro team or what NFL team? Are we buzzing in. Or? Yeah, yeah. You can buzz by saying your name. What NFL team did Kirby coach safeties for? Bzz, Miami Dolphins. That's right. Tony, did you even know that? Yeah, I know Dolphins. <laughs> okay. How many career interceptions did Kirby have? Bzz, four. Bzz, six. Don't y'all remember last year when Dominic Sanders was inching up closely? It was thirteen. Bzz, Thirteen. Yeah. Um, what is Kirby Smart's middle name? Well, I'm totally upset. Herman. Like I don't know. It's his dad's name, but I can't remember what it is. Paul. Paul. Yeah. Kirby Paul Smart. About knowing, like, I mean, Kirby Smart. That's a little mu- weird. It's, he's two months younger than me. Like, it just feels weird to be like, oh, hello. Like, he, like his son plays in the same sports leagues as me. It feels weird to know, uh, uh, not as me as my son. <laughs> it feels weird to like know his middle name. I feel like that's now you know. No, I don't. I, don't remember I mean, it was in the media guide, so it's not like hidden. It feels like I should know. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, what's the one offensive position that Kirby has coached? <laughs> well, running backs. That's correct. He coached running backs for Georgia in 2005. Yeah, Craig Lumpkin. Uh, what Thomas Brown? Thomas Brown, Danny yeah. Ware, yeah, Ware, yeah. They did pretty well in the pros. Who actually? Yeah, Danny Ware did great in the pros. Yeah, he was a giant for a long time. How many points did Kirby score in his Georgia career? Bzz, six, Bzz, zero. Wrong and wrong. Bzz, Twelve. No. Bzz, Eighteen. Wait, no. Bzz, three. <laughs> he kicked a random field goal. He scored two points. Two points. Yes, eighteen. Yeah, that makes sense. No, he has one of the two in Georgia history's punt. I'm sorry, point after touchdown blocks. <gasps> oh, my God. Run Seriously? Back for touchdown. 88 yards in 1995 versus New Mexico State. So he has one point. He has two points. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, it was a two-point. Okay, that's one of a, those, that is an excellent piece of trivia. Yes. And now everybody knows that that's still <laughs> listening. See, that's why you stick around to listen to the, the also silly part. By the way, Illinois Minute. By, by the way, way you should put something in about Minute, I don't know, 106 mm-hmm. about that okay <laughs> so they'll stay i'll put that in the intro yes yeah let's say we have one piece of trivia that'll blow your mind should make a note uh i'm, I'm i've got this i've got this <laughs> um okay so i've teased earlier about ch- sec championship tiebreakers um you know that the Coin flip well yeah if two teams are tied and you've gone through uh you know kind of scenario a b c d all the way down to h h is the coin flip Okay. okay, so that's where you can't break a tie between two teams. You flip a coin, and whoever wins gets to go. Okay. Here's the crazy part. If three teams or more oh. are tied, they still have a coin flip, but the team with the odd result is the representative for the SEC championship game. I'm okay with this. Yeah, whatever. It's a random Yes. It's a I mean, it's never going to happen. Is, but, it, is this <clears> the plot of the Friday Night Lights movie? If you think about it, though. It like, feels that way, yes. 
you flip it between three people and you're hoping, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's crazy. It's like playing odd man. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So podcast reviews and can questions. Can I have my Illinois minute? Absolutely. Do it while That's I look the time. <clears throat> okay. So Illinois, uh, the, the big story of Camp Illinois this year has been A.J. Bush. He is the senior transfer quarterback that played for both Virginia Tech and Nebraska, or at least was enrolled at Virginia Tech and Nebraska. He is instantly become a team captain. They give him the number one number. They are going all in on the left-handed, fast quarterback who played for Virginia Tech. There is much excitement. Athletic. Right now. Athletic, yes. Uh, uh, but if I, I've said before, Lovey Smith is not getting fired. To see the beard in actual action, the Big Ten Network uh, does a – Every week they go to five. They go to a, every day they go to a different camp and like do a report on that team. Illinois was today to watch the beautiful white beard that Lovey Smith has, barking instructions to people on the on the field. It's a very exciting thing. This team is going to win five games this year. I don't know if they're going to be a drive for six. This team is better up and down than they were last year. They're winning five games and they're and they're all going to be fine. I, I said six two weeks ago. I'm standing by six. It's all on. All right, so we've got five or six podcast oh. reviews since our last podcast. They just came rolling in. Um, you should read podcast reviews on the Patreon. No. <laughs> That's right. Uh, August 7th from Spotty Odie Stankonia. Okay. Five-star review. Says, good people. That was his title. As an on Athens- both sides. On both sides? On both sides. Good Sorry. people yeah. on both sides. As an Athens native and UJ grad that desperately misses the greatest college town in the world, I'm grateful for this podcast, which covers not just Georgia football, but the latest Oconee drama and all the important Athens debates like Zaxby's versus Kane's versus the dearly departed ghost of Guthrie's. You can tell this is already going to be good. Yeah. Tony's audibly giddy anticipation of each football Saturday is tempered by the calm yet hopeful baritone of Scott, a consummate media professional. I didn't write that. A consummate media professional who knows when not to edit out the clanking of ice in bourbon glasses. Lest, that's a word I don't ever use, lest it ruin the ambience. The two are joined by Will, a Yankee by birth, bulldog by choice, whose presence in Athens, despite a lengthy media resume, is a constant reminder that lots of people think my hometown is a pretty cool place to live. Also, I'm from Southern Illinois. If I, that um, counts as You're a not from Southern Illinois. I'm from Central Illinois. Yes. Together, all three have ascended to the moniker which all Southerners strive for. They good people, y'all. So if you see me around, offer a glass of the good stuff or buy him a beer because this, the best Bulldog podcast around. Go dogs. He left out an is, but that's fine. That was very cool. Thank you. So thank you for that. Um, And now we'll move on to another podcast review that came in a day later from listener 23434. Good content. Four-star review. Content is great, but the constant clinking of ice and drinks in the background is extremely distracting. Oh, okay. Well, then this, this, this podcast just might not be for you. This might be my mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, if you have a problem with the, with the drinking of bourbon uh, during the podcast, I, I mean, honestly, I'm glad they like the show. But if that actually is something that bothers you, this might just not be the podcast for you. I agree. Um, okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Yes, thanks for listening. August 9th from MS Dog Fan. Great podcast, five star review. Great podcast. I started listening last year and look forward to the upcoming season. Go Dogs. What I'm a jerk to, that person. And is. I'm coming to Starkville in a couple of years. So <laughs> then August 10th from W. Colston. Uh, five star review titled Drinking Game. And he says, Take a shot for every not for nothing. Play at your own risk. <laughs> 
Yeah, I kind of got out of control last <laughs> week. I'm sorry. I don't know. And as I was editing it, I don't know. It, I noticed it. I was like, wow. He said that well, I could have, we'll I could have changed it, it once, but I didn't. And I just really thought, you know what? I love that. That might be a future t-shirt. t-shirt. Not, not for, for nothing. nothing. I like it. Not for I nothing. like it. Um, okay. Clear. I mean, that's another. Clearly game. not for nothing is a thing. Okay. Fort Worth dog. I tweeted this earlier this week. The, the title of this is not for nothing. Three star <laughs> review. The podcast is very good, but one of the hosts says not for nothing a million times and it becomes a distraction. That's when I said on Twitter, this should be a tweet because it happened in one singular moment. We asked for podcast reviews and then you can leave us a one star, two star or five star, whatever, but it needs to be a global view of the podcast so people can understand what they're getting into. Not just a sliver of time. That's a tweet. That's a Facebook post. Not for nothing. It was just one episode. Yeah, it was just one episode because I'd never heard it before. Not for nothing. It's still kind of a dumb tweet to be clear. Yeah. Not for nothing. I won't do it again. Okay. Well, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't you, bow to that. You be you. Let yeah, you be you. Not for nothing. Free class. I swear to God, I've never said that before in my life. And then we're gonna um, end on a high note. We got a five star review. Great way to feel like you're back in Athens from Dog in Denver. Oh. Not for nothing, but this podcast. <laughs> Love it. Not for nothing, but this podcast has been a great way to keep up with the dogs. The best way to describe the tone is tailgate-esque. So keep up the glass clinking, and thanks for the podcast. Cheers to that. Dog and Denver, thank you. Thank you very much. So our next show, Gentle Humans, will be an actual preview of an actual A real game. game. The fly is open. Let's go pee. So... Are we going to do an actual Georgia predictions before we leave? Oh, we yeah, we should. Let's give the record. Right. We got to be on the record. We must be on uh, officially. Say it because if you remember, I nailed it last year. All over. And had them being eleven and one, only losing to Auburn and being the Mid State Championship. That was me that did that, right, Scott? That was me, wasn't it? Yeah. Nope. No, 100%. that was Scott. it. Was one of us? That was Scott. I think we all should take credit. So I think Scott gets to go last because he nailed it last year. Hundred percent. So uh, Tony starts off. All right. So. I, if you can't tell from my giddiness, I think what we're going to do this season is 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 interesting in that we haven't done it in a very long time, um, I, and I don't I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think we when the, you break the season down, um, the schedule breaks out in a way that makes me think that you know our floor is nine and three, right? That is everything goes. Totally wrong, nine and three. Things go perfect. We're twelve and zero. Where I keep coming back to is that I I can't get past the thought that there is a game out there where we just don't do what we need to do. And I don't know if that game's in Auburn. I don't know if that game is, is against Auburn. I don't know if that game's in Columbia, for that matter, or against I LSU. <laughs> um, I mean, frankly, I vote against Auburn. Uh, although I, I mean, I've been pretty clear. I don't think Auburn's going to be what they were last year, but it feels like to me. One quick question: Are we going to say what we do beyond the season, like SEC yeah, playoffs okay. stuff like that? I think it's okay. Um, if you think they're going to make that game, yeah, you don't have to predict what if they're going to play in the Liberty Bowl or something. Okay, if you that's cool. That's cool. Four, but if so, you think they make the SEC championship game, you should say. Something. I feel like we make the SEC championship game at eleven and one, and. Frankly, because I think um, I think Alabama is going to be good enough. Although they're going to be down, it'll be against Alabama. 
And, and why not? I think we have to beat Alabama for it to be real. Let's beat Alabama the SEC Who's championship. Who's our one loss? Um, I, 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 some combination of South Carolina, LSU, and like a Auburn. half loss for South Carolina. I, and a half loss I don't, for I don't like that because I'm, I'm not, I don't. My mind doesn't work that way. But I'm just saying, if you were to put a loss somewhere, I, it's South Carolina and Auburn are two places I think we're most likely to do it. And now, Brandon, if you listen the whole season, I could predict us to win every single game over the course of the season. It just feels like eleven and one is the right place to be. Um. It's hard for me not to look at the season as a whole and think we go 11-1 and win the SEC against Alabama and finally shake that monkey off our back. This feels to me like a small, probably insignificant in the long run, but will certainly not feel insignificant when it happens, step back, Uh, which is to say this feels like two losses, you still win the SEC East, but you lose in the SEC championship game. That's where I have mine. 10-2, probably Alabama. I have them 10-2, losing to Alabama, which probably puts them in a New Year's game. Yeah, we're in the Sugar Bowl still. Yeah. So this, that's, that, if that's the worst thing that can happen to you, but I bet that will be more disappointing to a lot of fans than it probably should be. A lot of people are worried about our game at South Carolina and at LSU. I would be personally... And I am more concerned about the game at Columbia, Missouri, and the game in Lexington, Kentucky. And I think Georgia is going to struggle. Those will be the two closest victories they have this season. Yes, I'm predicting the dogs to go undefeated, 12-0, and with some hair-raising moments on the road. And they will face... I mean, everybody predicts Alabama. I just don't want to... I mean, I've already predicted Georgia to go 12-0. and I don't know. I got a I got a funny like Jackie Sherrill feeling about this, and I think that they Does might. Does that mean you're going to cut the cojones <laughs> off a bull? No, no. I think they were. The, he was the coach the last time Mississippi State went to the SEC championship game. So I think something weird's going to happen, like where Alabama and Auburn kind of knock each other out, and then almost like that coin flip thing, you know, where Mississippi State is just kind of standing there going like they pull an upset against Alabama, and Alabama loses a funny one somewhere else, and. They have a tiebreaker over them. So I'm going to go ahead and predict Georgia beats Mississippi State for uh, the SEC championship game because why not and end up in like the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl playing somebody. Wow. So I will say that Scott had more um, cojones than I did. I, I, I've been thinking for a couple of weeks that I was going to predict 12-0, and 0, and I just couldn't pull the trigger on that. And – it is probably because I am still there's the residual of my damagedness, but um, it, if we go twelve and zero and then they beat Mississippi State and SEC championship, SEC championship, we're clearly the number one seed in the yeah, college football playoffs, which means we play in the, uh, I guess the Orange Bowl. Yeah, right. I think so. Yeah. Oh, I got so. a, I got a, one last question for y'all. I meant to ask this earlier, and I meant to ask it last week. We did this. Do you see a time like the AP poll was released yesterday? Yep. Georgia's number three. Do you see a time at any point this year that Georgia plays a game as the number one team in the nation? Yes. No. Yeah. All right. There you have it. All right. All right. Well, next week we have an actual game to discuss. Guys, it's almost here. We've guys, almost made it. Guys. For third, what twelve days as we as a calendar? No, creeps. no, it'll be like ten when 10 this days comes up. From yep. Georgia playing football, four days from college football. I'm so excited. The first tailgate's coming together 
beautifully. We got a couple of new wrinkles for our tailgate this year. It's uh, it's going down. Go dogs. Go dogs. That was a long one. It's a long one. Longest season, ever. What she preview. said. <laughs> I don't know. Or he. Uh, he could say it. <laughs> And thanks so much for listening. As you can tell, we really appreciate your podcast reviews. Leave us a review and let us know what you think about our show, and we'll discuss what you think and how we perceive it on a future episode. We might not agree with your opinions, but your voice will, in fact, be heard. You can follow our show on Twitter, at WSLS Podcast. That's the best way to get in touch with us. And we're also pretty active on Instagram and Facebook as well. Same handle, WSLS Podcast. T-shirts, they will be out very soon. And we'll have a limited supply of them. So that's another good reason to follow us on social media or on our website, WSLSpodcast.com, so you can be one of the first ones to get one. You can check out our Facebook page to see a proof of what they're going to look like. Our next episode will be on August 27th, meaning it'll be out the day of August 27th. We're going to record it on Sunday. And will certainly be our new favorite podcast of all time. And not for nothing, that's pretty meaningful because it will be an actual game preview. Sure, it's just Austin P University, but hey, it's Saturday in Athens. It's between the hedges. It's tailgating. You get the picture. So go ahead and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a show. And that's it. Have a great rest of your week. Get plenty of rest because in a matter of days, it all begins once again. And that's so awesome. We'll see you on campus very soon. And go dogs. Thank you.